Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. And history. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. I'm Daisy. So much more than what you see. We all live our lives differently. Kaleidoscope identity. And this is who I'm meant to be. I'm just labelled me. I'm just labelled me. this episode along with lucy crying and alice swearing there is going to be a number of historical terms for disability that are now considered extremely offensive hello everyone and welcome to a very festive first part of a two-part edition of the christmas labeled podcast episode it's very nice to have you here uh today we are doing a history lesson uh and i am joined by daisy hi daisy hello and alice hi alice that's me hello he- hello how are you uh i am very are you... festively poorly um festively poorly. yeah yeah my nose is red just like rudolph yeah rudolph yeah yeah it's just the theme for this winter i think is me being sick so yeah well hopefully hopefully um this will take your mind off your runny red nose because um, you're going to talk about uh, Alice, uh, Alice <laughs> I'm going to talk about the uh, the Romanov family and specifically uh, Alexei Romanov, who was the last crown prince of Russia. Great. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm very much surplus to requirements today. I just get to sit back. <laughs> well, have you got your trumpet available? <laughs> You know what? I don't. I don't know if I do. I think I might have gotten rid of it. I've oh, got an, what a I've shame. got. A, I've got a sparkly Elvis pig. Is that festive? Sparkly I mean, Elvis pig. You you might I, have to take a photograph of that so we can yeah. use bonus content. <laughs> I, I want it in a pub quiz. Uh, oh, nice we can definitely get you a like small novelty trumpet for christmas it's not too late yeah it's fine i'll go down the early learning center now (laughs) (laughs) you know um you know adam who edits the show got banned from an early learning center what what they uh they he and one of my other friends drew penises on the um on the, the the little you know the things where you twiddle the the knobs to draw yeah yeah, yeah they drew yeah. penises on it and they were and then, asked to leave nice. the early learning center and not come back <laughs> does that band still stand should we just go like send him in to get daisy's trumpet i see i mean i don't think what that happens. specific early learning center is still there anymore so oh, no. and i don't he think just it was walks like into a... any any early learning center and, like the 15 year old <laughs> behind the till goes you get out yeah, <laughs> yeah. his photos distributed to all new staff even like 15 years later <laughs> we were told I... about you in our training yeah. <laughs> oh no tim i grew up at a t- in a time where i could only ever get my uh, left-handed scissors from the early learning center this was the mid-90s where I needed some scissors and I couldn't find any anywhere. And the Ellen Lennon Centre was the only place where I could purchase uh, some left-handed scissors. because they didn't have the uh, Ned Flanders left-handed emporium <laughs> where you live. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> the Romanovs. Yes, the Romanovs. Okay, let me get my script. Alexei Nikolaevich was born on the 12th of August 1904 
the fifth child and first son of Alexandra and uh, Nicholas II, the emperor of Russia. Before his birth, Alexandra had uh, four daughters, Olga, Tatiana, Maria and Anastasia. Because the family were leaders of the Russian Empire, uh, the the children were not known as princes and princesses, but they were actually called Grand Dukes and Grand Duchesses. And and you might also hear Alexander. Um, so Alexandra was Empress, and Alexander was Emperor. But you may also hear them called the Tsar and Tsarina, which is uh, sort of the Russian equivalent of King and Queen. I mean, that's a lot of titles to go off, isn't it? Really, I think it's pretty standard for royalty in the Victorian times, though. Mm. At the time of Alexei's birth, the Russian Empire was uh, vast and covered one-sixth of the total global land mass at the time. That was, like, Russian rules. Blimey. Yeah. That is quite big. Yep. Not, not I mean, <laughs> Russia itself, not small, <laughs> but yeah. Did you know I have a degree in state in the blue novels? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, it had in the lead up to Alexei's birth, the Russian Empire had been expanding by 55 miles a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. Um, so just before we move forward to clarify some Russian naming conventions, uh, children were given a uh, like derivative of their father's last name for their like sort of surname. And then they also, the royals at least, would also have like a family name. So although Alexei um, is Alexei Romanov, he's also Alexei Nikolaevich. What's so they take their father's yes first, first so, name, so yeah first name, so or surname. first name as their kind of surname so oh this is confusing yeah it's not <laughs> I mean, that that's, that's not that it's it's also not that uncommon that's quite a common thing in Scandinavia as well isn't it yeah. like you know Jorgensen is as a, as someone's a surname. I mean Evans means son of Evan so mm. oh does it yeah. oh, there you go. <laughs> um. But just to confuse people who might decide to go off and do their own random Googling about Alexei Romanov, there was also an Alexei Romanov about 200 years before the one that we're going to talk about, who was a Russian Tsar. Yeah. But that's, again, just feels kind of classic royalty. Like, we've Mm. only got a handful of names. Let's just cycle through them in different orders. It's like you never get a King Jerry, do you? It's always like George or... You know, John or... I was going to say, we've had a fair few Edwards. William. Yeah. 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 So the Russian royal family believed in the divine right to rule. So that meant Mm -hmm. that uh, not only did... um, Were they, like, autocratic, which meant that all of the decisions um, were made by Nikolai. There was no government to sort of... He had advisors, but there was no, like... Um, there was nobody to rein him in yeah but they yeah. also believed that their like right to rule was mandated by god so yeah that's a bit like um king charles the first where he got the, the one that got his head chopped off pass in this country daisy daisy i mean i think the the general rule of the monarchy in this country is that is the, the, the kind of divine right of the monarchy is quite a 
common thing. You know, they're the defender of the faith and things yeah. like that. I don't think mm. that's particularly exclusive to... I'm sure, though, that one of the reasons that King Charles got his head chopped off was because he was getting a bit too big for his boots. Like I'm watering it down very simply. He was getting very big, too big for his boots, and he thought it was a god-given right that he was king, basically. And was he it the didn't one? End well, was he the one who got executed just before the Civil War? Uh, I think so. I mean, yeah, uh, that I should know all of these things. <laughs> yes, you should. Yeah, That's what say. you say. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Look at that face. Uh, don't hang up. But hold the line, caller. How, how, how long have you got for me to Google? I mean, you can spend. We can edit it down. Yeah, it's fine. We'll fix it in post. It's fine. Or we'll leave it in. So I just put some hold music. <laughs> I mean, he was executed as part of the civil war. Yeah, there you go. And that was that was Not as like much before about... it or after it. That was as much about the difference between Catholicism and Protestantism, wasn't mm. it? As it was yeah. about like, yeah, the whole divine heap of right. charges. Yeah, that, yeah. that whole kind of pendulum swinging back and forth between who's really right? Yeah. Yes. This type yes. of Christianity or this type of Christianity? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Alice. No, it's okay. So, yeah, they, they because they believed that, um, you know, God made them king um, and queen. Like, obviously, it then meant that their children automatically inherited that right um, and that the people got no say in who leaded, who was leading their country. Um, and that, you know, questioning the right of the king and, and the commands of the king was just a, was the same as questioning God. So, you know, it it made things probably really like cool and like calm and chill just just in Russia. Um don't think this is going to end well <laughs> no no fundamentally anybody who has a vague inkling of this story this story just does not end well uh, <laughs> as i said to lucy in a meeting earlier this week i think we just need to come to terms with the fact that i do the really sad history lessons because yeah. it's just who i am as a person so and i am the light relief <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the Romanovs were the religious heads of the Russian Orthodox Church, who, from what I understand, it's kind of broadly Catholicism, but they have a different calendar, which made quite a lot of like my research really confusing because stuff seemed, yeah. to, seemed to be happening on two different dates. Yeah. Well, so Alex, yeah. I, I did at first think Alexei was born on the 30th of July, but it wasn't. It was the 12th of August, but the, the two would... That's... They're the same, apparently. Similar. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. Similar. Um, obviously, because they are, you know, heads of the Orthodox Church, the Romanovs were very religious. Um, but the family were also known to dabble in the occult and spiritualism, which was like, you know, quite normal and popular uh, at that point in the Victorian times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when Alexei was born, his parents had been trying to have a a boy and an heir since they got married 10 years ago um right. it is reported that um alexandra felt a lot of pressure and guilt about not being able to provide her husband with an heir there's people talk a lot of shit about alexandra and she's she's not a great person um like <laughs> she's 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 fully openly anti-semitic um 
But I think she also probably had some pretty significant, like, battles with depression in her life. Merry Christmas! Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, everybody. Hang on. There's. I'm going <laughs> to talk about something funny later. <laughs> why, do you think, why do you think Daisy's here? <laughs> yeah, she was a little bit of... People call her a hypochondriac, but I think she had, like, migraine problems migraine problems like, yeah um, and she she talks a lot about her heart feeling weak um and so i think i mean i think she was just really fucking sad a lot of the time she had her mum died when she was quite young one of her sisters died like i mean it's classic victorian stuff but i think like i don't know i i'm not like i said not saying she's a great person but i have a bit more sympathy for her than a lot of people mm-hmm and I think that there's definitely an element of it, like being a bit at the patriarchy and them all being a bit like, oh, well, it's her fault that there's, you know, they haven't had a son. It can't be anything to do with him. Um, and she may also have lost a child during pregnancy um, before Alexi was born. So she didn't have a great time of it. She was quite poorly herself after Alexi was born. But when he did arrive obviously it was like a huge relief for her because finally they had a son and um there was like a huge state celebration thrown and newspapers in like uh england and germany were like writing about how much the russian people were celebrating um there were bells being rung um a noblewoman named baroness sophie talks about how they were deafened from the ringing of the bells all day on the day that he was born. Um, so, like, there was definitely a lot of joy about the fact that he was born, which is, you know, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. 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 So, obviously, once Alexi was here, it everybody thought that meant that the, the sort of fate of the Russian throne was finally sort of resolved and there was, there was nothing for anybody to worry about anymore. Uh, but... Unfortunately, the future of the uh, Romanov family and the Russian throne was definitely a little bit uncertain. In the years leading up to and just before Alexei's birth, uh, there had been quite a lot of civil unrest across Russia. Obviously, as I said, uh, for centuries, the, the Russian um, Russia had been led by an autocratic monarch and they'd had like a feudalist system um with like serfs working on the land and basically being owned by nobles and then the nobles paying taxes to uh like the royals that's i think i understood feudalism correctly there remembering back from like year eight history but and and this system had obviously it not been great for the peasants but everybody else was happy with it um, but when industrialization came, a lot of the serfs were basically unable to get work now. Yeah. And so there was a lot of violence and protests um, across kind of Russia because people were starving. Um, and then in the cities, there was an increasingly violent kind of campaign to install a constitutional government going on. I did. I, it, so we... It, Britain had a constitutional government in the 1600s. So, like, they're quite far behind, really. You know, it's 300 years later. So I'm sort of not surprised that people were pissed off. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, 
like there are machines taking their jobs and they have no say in how the government anything yeah well exactly anything exactly so you can't do anything about it. you can't exercise the fact that you're unhappy about the fact that a machine's taking your job and you've got nothing to do you know you can't earn enough money and Mm -hmm. things like that because they're not going to give a shit are they really um and the russian state response to the civil unrest was pretty ruthless violence um including a protest where cossacks basically mowed down a hundred odd people um so not going well cossacks are they the people that like kick their legs out the cossack dance so are they related in any way shape or form or being thick i i know the dance you're talking about I didn't yeah. spend the time to go into understanding the different See, military regiments. Br- <laughs> Daisy's doing it for me. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Like, Dancing, does... this is my area. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like quite a violent they, sort of dance. They really, were, they were certainly it. known as the most violent of the uh, military uh, sort of regiments of the Russian uh, military forces. They were supposed right. to be uh i guess like the um the elite forces um mm-hmm. and i know and that they had bayonets it, yeah and if you think about it they would have probably used hand-to-hand combat which included kicking <laughs> i would imagine i don't know daisy help me out um it seems they are related yes yes good um it's but it was sort of specifically a. Uh, folk dance and is now kind of seen as like ethnically ukrainian right okay based on you know the area that Mm -hmm. i mean but considering the size of the russian empire like ukraine basically didn't exist that it was just swallowed up um yeah in in the same way that that putin's trying to recapture that so yeah apparently it was originally frowned upon because it was an amusement and diversion from military training (laughs) (laughs) amazing Send the soldiers in, they're kicking the legs about. <laughs> yeah, they're having too much of a nice time. <laughs> um, so back to the terrible stuff. Um, yeah. As with, like, pretty much all of the rest of both Eastern and Western Europe at this time, there was a very heavy sense of um, deeply entrenched anti-Semitism. So uh, over the years, there was... A, a great deal of anti-Jewish violence. I learned a new word in the uh, research for this episode, a pogrom, which is basically super violent um, destruction of homes and businesses and like the murder of people uh, because sort of with, with racial motivation. Mm-hmm this sort of these anti-semitic uh this anti-semitic attitude and the pogroms were not necessarily um kind of sanctioned by the russian state but they didn't say oh please stop it it's very likely that even nicholas ii knew that they were happening and yeah Yeah, didn't do anything to try and protect jewish citizens um as with in later in nazi germany the Jewish people were very much blamed for all the terrible things that happened and all the things that that went wrong. So um, that's nice. 
Yeah. <laughs> Once again, Merry Christmas. <laughs> so even though all of this was going on, like all over Russia, uh, Nicholas and his wife were slightly more concerned about what was going on at home um, because it had become almost immediately obvious after Alexei was born that all was not well with his health. They realised basically straight away that uh, Alexei had a bleeding disorder when okay. the wound around his that was left after his umbilical cord was cut, which is like the second thing they do to you after you're born, yeah. uh, it just didn't stop bleeding for days. Alexei, the uh, members of the like many members of the royal European royal family before him, had haemophilia. Mm. Uh, for those who don't know, haemophilia is a condition that uh, means your blood doesn't clot properly. Um, it means that either a scratch or a graze can cause major blood loss and even anything that would normally just result in like a small bruise for somebody without haemophilia could lead to major hemorrhaging, um, internal like bleeding and could kill you. Um and the Romanov family were obviously very afraid that, um, like, afraid for Alexei when they realised the, the implications of his condition. Um, and they, people basically thought he wasn't going to live through infancy. Um, right. Before the age of five, um, he actually became so poorly that they had a priest administer last rites because they thought he was going to die. Ugh. So, I mean, this, this umbilical cord thing, he did he did provide that. Um, but obviously in 1904, haemophilia was, was a life-limiting condition. Yes, of course. Um, and it was pretty unlikely that Alexei was going to ever live long enough to inherit the throne. Obviously, he was the family's hope for the future and the stability of the, the Russian crown. Um, but also because um, because Alexandra had had such a hard time uh, in the lead up to her pregnancy and during her pregnancy with Alexei, she basically didn't feel that she could manage having another child. Uh, she didn't no. feel like her health was up to it. Um, yeah. And because Nicholas really loved his wife, he didn't push her. He didn't say like, "Fine," you know. He he just he said that's fine. Whereas I think. Probably a lot of royalty would have been like, no, I need a son. Henry VIII? Uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, but because of the implications of what having haemophilia would mean for Alexis' future, the Russian royal family kept uh, his health condition a really closely guarded secret. It's also potentially worth noting that a lot of the public would probably already be aware of haemophilia on the basis that it's spread through I a number of royal families. just about to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, the um so th that's how they knew it was that like the the, the 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 that's how the Romanovs knew it was hemophilia straight away because they were like oh shit we've seen this before. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was so common that uh hemophilia was called the royal disease or the English disease. What, it was so common in the royal yeah. family? Yeah, in the royal families of Europe that what, they called it the what, royal disease. Why Why was it so common? Do we know why? I do know why. This, oh. this is because so many members of European royalty and nobility 
were at this time direct descendants of Queen Victoria. Uh-uh. Uh, historians have established that uh, the royal disease started with Victoria. There's no evidence of it prior to her reign. So she had haemophilia. She then. did not have haemophilia. She didn't. Her son Leopold is right. uh, one of the first cases of haemophilia that where somebody died. Right. And the two of her, I think, his five daughters, Princess Alice and Princess Beatrice, went on to um, pass haemophilia to the German. Russian and Spanish royal families through marriage. It's, wow. it's, it's really uncommon for uh, females in general to have haemophilia. They tend to be mm. carriers. It's, so it's often through the male line yeah. that it's passed down. Yeah. Although I think there's a there was a suggestion that um, the type of haemophilia that Queen Victoria had may well have been one of the rarer ones which women could yeah, but in, in general, haemophilia is seen as like quite a male disease. Male yeah. thing. And yeah. and one of the things that didn't help it is that the royal family in the like 19th and early 20th century was the it was less of a family tree um, and more like you know those ivy vines that like wind up all up on in themselves and get all knotted up. Mm. Mm. Um, so like so Alexandra and Nic- a family clump. Yes, <laughs> yeah. family clump. Alexandra and Nicholas II were actually first cousins. Their mothers, oh. their mothers were sisters. So that is like no. you and Sophie having a son and a daughter. And and the, no. I know, right? Yeah. No. Um, and they were both also first cousins of uh, George VI, and also of Kaiser Wilhelm. Yes. Now, that is a clump of. That is a clump of. Yep, family not that, isn't it? Yep. I actually know somebody who married their cousin. Technically weird, really. not illegal. Um, Technically not <laughs> illegal. But also, these two people did look alike, which I thought was mm. very weird. Like, Yeah, see, I've heard of people, like, not realising that they're yeah. Yeah, yeah. marrying that. Is that what happened here? Or were they I just like, oh, you're my cousin. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. It's <laughs> technically not illegal. It's, it's, I just, the best I'm kind of marriages are technically not illegal. <laughs> it's just, it's just the, um, the, like, I know how close I am to my brother. The idea of my kid marrying his kid, it just, Kids. it no. just feels, I, like, I can I could sort of maybe understand if it was a if it was maybe a step further down and you were a little bit more distant, but it's so close. Yeah, yeah, I could also see it theoretically if you had like a really big family mm. and so yeah. there were loads and loads and loads of cousins and it was like you incredibly rarely saw I don't know, you your say cousins. That. I've got thirteen cousins. I don't want to marry any of them. See, I speak as a person with zero cousins, so all of, all of this is a bit weird. <laughs> it, I've got one, and it took me ages to have a cousin. Like I was about thirteen when she was born, and it's a bit yeah. It, it, it does feel a little bit like I know it's not illegal, but it's a bit too close for comfort. Thank you very much. See, Do you know what I mean? My my cousins, because my dad's one of five, and um, they they like to fuck in South Wales because not a lot else to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've got. I, I, what? Where is this story going? <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say that I've got. I've got a cousin who's in her fifties, who is my eldest right. cousin, and then I have got a cousin who recently turned twenty-one. 
so there's there's that's quite there's quite a few there's there, a fuck there? ton of us just spread out from like the mid 70s <laughs> up until like 2009 so um anyway yeah, no, it's a bit it's a bit it is a bit weird yeah yeah but also you can see how why they would do that in the royal line it's to you know keep keep all keep of that- our yeah keep it all close so yeah. they're not getting any imposters it's and it's definitely it's definitely a talking point at, um dinner parties isn't it i heard yeah. it described as uh less of a gene pool and more of a gene puddle yes uh, <laughs> yes exactly it is quite but it's it's nice to know that sticking with tradition it was the english who caused all of these problems yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um <laughs> And I just it, it's like any time you look into something bad that happened in history, go, Oh, there oh, we yeah. are. It's a, there we are. <laughs> Meddling again. Um Yeah. So um but this this genetic inbreeding will actually turn out to be quite useful later on. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. so Oh that's a good that's a good tease. We'll clip that for social media. <laughs> Well, this genetic inbreeding will be quite useful <laughs> later on. Yeah, exactly. Don't I'd t- listen to that. Don't tell anyone it's about a history lesson. Just take it <laughs> Because of his bleeding disorder, Alexei was watched very closely by the royal family and their attendants. He came very close to death on several occasions uh, before he'd even turned five. And... Um, even the most mild of illnesses could have a like really serious impact on his um, health or even be like have life threatening implications for him. Uh, his dad it writes in his diary about how when uh, Alexei just has a cold, he then has like a nosebleed that goes on for days. Ugh. I know, right? Um, and uh, when he was uh, sort of in his like in those kind of primary school years uh he jumped into a lake because you know kid um and uh caused a hemorrhage that caused pain and swelling in his groin abdomen ankles uh and legs for the rest of his life like just jumping in a lake caused that and gave him problems forever yeah um, he would frequently complain of pain in his arms, legs, and joints. He'd have bleeding around the joints quite a lot. Um, he would ex- he'd get swelling, bruising that lasted for days or even weeks. Um, sometimes he'd be in so much pain he couldn't get out of bed. So was there any like treatment for... Uh, I am going to talk about that. I mean, it's okay. One of the things that, because you can't like cut into him to like suture him up or so. Or like an injection, can't do that either. Yep. So he had a lot of cold compressors, like when you go to the nurse in primary school. They didn't use magnets, did they? Because they did tend to like doing that, didn't they? There is something that I didn't fully understand that sounds a little bit like magic magnets. Oh, um, magic magnets again. <laughs> but Enough with the magnets. <laughs> I, I, I think unlike uh, Mesmer, this wasn't performed by a sexual predator, so I think it's okay. Um, well, <laughs> in a certain time period, probably everything was. Yeah. <laughs> 
couldn't swing a cat for all the sexual predators. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to tell my mum about the whole sexual predators and magnet thing because was, she was like, what have you, what have you been talking about in your history lesson? So I was just trying to tell her and her face was like, what? What are you? What? <laughs> Doesn't matter, Mom. Listen to the episode like everybody else. <laughs> I think that, that fundamentally, uh, people who are unwell and afraid, a lot of them will buy stuff if people tell them it will oh, make yeah. them feel better. And yeah. when that happens, people take advantage of those people, whether it's for money yeah. or, you know, sex. Because you only have to look at like weight loss pills in it, like this day and age and apple cider vinegar gummies and stuff like that. And you're like, oh yeah Gwyneth Paltrow has a lot to fucking answer for <laughs> yeah um, absolutely um <laughs> anyway so um Alexei would sometimes be in so much pain that he wasn't able to like move his arms or legs um he wouldn't be able to walk he'd be like confined to his bed uh, or he would need to be carried around by an adult right did he have a wheelchair did they have wheelchairs? He, so, yeah, so he did have a wheelchair, but you have to remember mm. that, like, his health condition was supposed to be a secret. Okay, so yes, I suppose. He couldn't just be, like, you know, fucking around in a wheelchair all the time. Yeah, they got, like, stay away from the window. Yeah, it was. It was a little bit like that. Um, and so... That's horrible. Oh, he spent a lot of time kind of on his own and he was quite lonely it's really fucking sad um he was really close to his mum and his sisters his sisters were really good they'd come and like even though it was sort of a reasonable age gap between him and his eldest sister they'd like come and read to him and like sit with him and play cards with him and stuff um the only sort of like i sort of hesitate to call them friends really playmates that he had as a child um were like the children of the royal staff who were sort of oh yeah it's it's sad but it's almost like they're being paid to be there isn't it yep go and sit with them mm-hmm um Aww. i know so merry christmas <laughs> <laughs> on more than one occasion um alexi would be uh so unwell that his parents as i say legitimately feared that he was gonna die um he'd he'd sometimes be in so much pain that he couldn't even sit up in bed he'd have to just literally be lying down um he'd get nauseous um and like i said he'd have these horrible swellings and it's not it's it's not that's like proper chronic illness isn't it's it? it's not that? what i expect like you hear about hemophilia and you think like bleeding disorder you think like you know probably a person's gotta stay in bed because it's just not fucking safe to get out of bed but yeah 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 that it, it sounds horrible yeah um it makes you wonder whether we had like other underlying health conditions as well that nobody knew about maybe maybe um but even though he was like quite poorly for a mm. lot of the time like he'd be fine he'd be fine he'd be fine he'd be out of action for six weeks like it was sort of like that um yeah. but he sounds like he was quite like an average kid like he was quite precocious and um sort of <sighs> mischievous he was he was definitely privileged and a bit entitled but i think he was also like quite playful and 
Um, his teachers describe quite often describe him as silly and naughty. Um, I read this book that was a collection of letters and writings and diary entries from the Romanovs. Basically, anything that mentions Alexei. So some of it was literally just a fucking sentence. It was pointless, but it we actually got you know Alexei's diaries about what he was up to and uh, the diaries of his. He had two. The children had two tutors who um, sort of were were with them their entire childhoods and um they you know he's he's just a kid the way they talk about him he's just like you sort of average he's very he's a very much a little boy like he he is he winds his sisters up and he gets into shit and he like likes to you know just fuck around um yeah i was gonna say it is that exactly sort of i know i know i said he was a, a little boy but it's that kind of it's the same sort of attributes yeah relationship yeah yeah um so he lived for most of his life in alexander alexander palace not alexandra palace which is in london um alexander palace was the family's like favorite residence um mm-hmm. and it was uh situated on a plateau about 30 miles outside of uh st petersburg uh it sounds like it was pre- it was pretty beautiful um mm-hmm. he did because russia lots of stuff like sledding and in the winter mm-hmm. they'd build like a snow hill and just like fuck around like throwing themselves down it and um the he had this naval officer called uh Derevenko who was like assigned to basically make sure he didn't fuck himself up too much like to fall over and like make himself yeah <laughs> bleed yeah, or... yeah yeah um yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was his kids who were the people that he played with the most um and they would do a lot of stuff like um go fishing and you know just run around and do all the the normal like kids with money in the victorian time stuff Mm-hmm. During uh, after the outbreak of the First World War, Alexei went with his father to uh, military general headquarters because, of course, his dad, as you know, Russian emperor, was leader of the Russian army. Um, he'd regularly go with his dad to like inspect the troops. Um, like again, lots of sort of little boys from the nobility at that time he'd been gifted with um like little mini military uniforms and a little sailor uniform and like little toy guns and a little cossack uniform and he really enjoyed playing war he was given like toy soldiers and it's i got the distinct impression it's that like there's a from from books i've read and like historical stuff i've i've read over the years about victorian children it's like victorian children are supposed to be just little versions of like victorian grown-ups people yeah yeah yeah. but inevitably they kind of fuck it up by just being kids and it's like having a nice time victorian ghost child do you remember when uh prince george was it prince george of like modern day monarchy went through a period of being dressed like a victorian ghost child (laughs) Do you remember that? I don't remember that. It was just like a bit creepy. 
He got like like shorts on all the time with socks halfway up his knee and like these little sandaly shoe type things. And you just like you just look like a Victorian ghost child. I see. Yeah. It was it was very strange, yeah, because it was like you know, like it, it was the winter. Right. Or you know, like autumn or whatever, and yeah, he was still yeah, wearing yeah. like shorts yeah, and long shorts. socks. Weird. And it was it was very reminiscent of that kind of era where trousers were like a man's item of clothing yeah. and shorts were a boy's to, item of clothing. To, yeah, and, yeah. You, and you wore shorts until you were of the age to wear trousers. Yeah, it's a bit like a postman with the Royal Mail. <laughs> like, it's always um, wearing shorts. Yes, it's exactly like a postman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it is quite an old fashioned yeah. thing. Um like that. Yeah, I get I do get what you mean. Um but that it just looked very weird, very weird. But that that's that's kind of the impression I got of Alexi was that like everybody was like, oh, you know, you're gonna be like emperor one day. You need to be, you know, a grown up. You need to dress like one. Yeah, and you need to act yeah, like yeah. one. And he'd be like, um, so he'd be inspecting the troops, or like there'd be like a guard outside his um, their house, and um, the guards had to always bow to the royal family when they like went past and so alexi used to like to sneak outside and hide and then jump out of the guards so that they had to suddenly <laughs> bow at him standard yeah yep. so yep. it's just just a little a kid with too much privilege um a lot of people talk about like some historians call him really spoiled and um oh but... no 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 i don't think he is I, I like he's privileged. Yeah, but I really don't think he is spoiled because he can't go out of the house. Well, that's he what I was going to you know, say. I was going to say he's being monitored all the. Like, I wouldn't call him spoiled. He's definitely privileged, but he's not spoiled. There's a difference. Well, and and you sort of feel like you know, if you could like drop dead before you're fifteen, like your parents are going to give you whatever you want. Ever? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, he was. You want fruit pastels for breakfast? Crack on. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um. He was also like, like I said, he used to wind his siblings up and there's even a bit like in the last few months of their like lives when they're like imprisoned, um, I think as well as still at Alexander Palace, uh, he goes for a walk with his sisters and then just for the fuck of it pushes one of his sisters fully clothed into a lake. <laughs> I just think he, why not? He just you just, he's the sort of kid that. he's the sort of kid where you would laugh and call him a little shit at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you feel bad for laughing at because you just, you know it's just encouraging behaviour. Yeah, but also yeah. It, but also it's just fucking funny, isn't it? So yeah. Um He got quite frustrated that he couldn't go out and do all the stuff that other kids could do. Again, and, completely understand that. And I suspect from some of the things some historians have said that he probably threw some tantrums about it. But again, like... Understandable. Yeah, exactly. I throw a tantrum when it takes me too long to get out of the shower. Exactly. And you're not being raised <laughs> as a prince of the Russian Empire, you know? Or when I drop something on the floor, like, oh, Foxy. Yeah, exactly. Like, I blame you for my uh, increased vocabulary <laughs> when, when it comes to dropping things but yeah i get i get a noise and i'm not being on constant or oh, watch that don't do that don't you got to stay keep away from the window because nobody can see you because you're not meant to be sick there was um it was a story about how like his his sisters were all really accomplished horse riders but he wasn't allowed to even ride a bike and so no. he nicked one of the 
um, bikes from one of the other children and was riding it around the palace and soldiers were like chasing him around trying to catch him. <laughs> get off it! Yeah, exactly. And I get it, like, because, you know, if you fell off, it could be really dangerous. But also, that's, like... I, but I can imagine that sense of freedom he felt when he got he eventually got on that bike yeah. and was like pedaling around. I was like, I bet he was like, woohoo! Yeah, you know. Um, he was really close to his mum, and he wrote to her almost every day. Like when he was off at the uh, military headquarters with his dad, um, he had a lot of respect for his dad, and his uh, father was apparently the only person who could actually discipline him. Right. Um, his mother called him baby and his dad referred to him as their treasure. Oh, I know. Um, oh, this is going to be sad. Yeah. So Thank you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you just want to make me cry. Don't you, <laughs> I just, I, I feel like I have done a lot of work and research for this episode. If I wanted to make you cry, it would take me a lot less effort. <laughs> Listen, I make no apologies for showing my emotions. <laughs> Um, he also had a pet dog called Joy, uh, a spaniel. He really loved animals. Um, he brought Joy everywhere with him, even to the military headquarters. Um, while he was at the military headquarters, he uh, was given a stray baby crow that he raised. He adopted a kitten um, and he'd also just like go and feed the rabbits and stuff in the afternoon. He's quite, I think, young for his age. So he's he's 10 years old when the First World War breaks out. And I think he's 11 when he goes to military headquarters. Um, and he he does seem quite young. Like the letters he writes to his mum and stuff. He's, I think he's probably quite immature. Um, mm -hmm. I suspect, you know, because of the circumstances, he was he was privileged. He was a bit kind of coddled. Um, but again, you know, that's not his fault. It's just, he, it's just the situation he was in. Um, he used to get quite sulky about like not being able to go out and do stuff when he was ill. Um, but then on the other hand, he would also like want his mum to sit with him all the time when he was poorly and like. Used, he apparently at one point said to his mum, oh, is it, um, will it stop hurting if I die? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Don't do this to me now. So he oh. he had, uh, he did obviously have some understanding of his, his illness and his condition um, and what that meant. Will that... it stop hurting if I die? I oh, know. That's awful. I know. And he, he told his mother that he wanted... When he passed, he wanted her to erect a pile of rocks, not to do a big, uh, like, state funeral, but erect a pile of rocks for him in the forest. Just just a little boy. Oh, man. I know. Why are we doing this as a Christmas episode? It's not that cheery. It's okay, don't worry, I'm going to talk about gay monks in a minute. Yeah! <laughs> there, is, there is also a underlying Christmas link but you're not going to hear okay. about it until the very end. I just of thought the we were talking about episode. Russia and it's cold and snowy. But also, like, isn't sad stories like a, a bit of a Christmas theme, like Tiny Tim and stuff? Not this sad, though. <laughs> like, I mean, there's sad and then there's sad, sad. 
Uh, I mean, Tiny Tim's pretty sad. He's a, another sickly... Yes, but he doesn't Tim. really die in the end, does he? <laughs> because Scrooge goes, oh, yeah, no, I'm happy about Christmas now. I like it. That's just not so bad after all. I'm a bit of a miserable git. I'm sorry. Uh, if you would like to hear uh, our slightly more in-depth discussion of uh, the, the A Christmas Carol and... Uh, Charles Dickens and Christmas, then you can listen to last year's Christmas episode, uh, which was a fabled. Um, so, um, obviously, Alexi had these health conditions, but um, there was quite a lot of um, they tried they tried a lot of interesting treatments to try and um, sort of cure him or or help mm -hmm. him um, when he was feeling poorly. Um, yeah, magnet. <laughs> so, they the 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 main things that he did, uh, that yeah. they did for him kind of regularly was a, a nightly massage, uh, nice. and regular. Yes, I I don't know if the the pain and life limiting oh, condition yeah, yeah, is no, worth no. it. But, yeah, yeah, good idea. Yeah, um, yeah. regular mud baths. Um, he. Uh, he, so this is the thing I was talking about earlier. It's not magnets. So something that's described in the diaries as electrophoresis, which from what I could understand from Wikipedia, but I'm not 100% convinced I have understood this, is a method of administering medication through the skin using small electric currents rather than an injection. Yes, I, I understand why they would be implementing that sort yeah. of system because if they can't touch him or... And, yeah, you know, exactly. They can't break the skin, way. yeah. So. Like, yeah, so they've got to get in somehow. Yeah. Um, he went for a lot of walks. Um, he would also take a lot of rests, um, which, you know, I think is, they were, like, prescribed by doctors because I, I think yeah. olden tummy doctors were like, well, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Have yeah, there. exactly. Um. But I did also read one report that um, suggests that perhaps some of the doctors were prescribing Alexei, the person with the uh, bleeding disorder, aspirin, which is a blood thinner. Nice. Yeah. Well done, fellas. Yeah. Yep. That'll do it. <laughs> um, but there was one thing that seemed consistently to help Alexei feel better. Um and that was the presence of one Grigory Rasputin. Cue Daisy. <laughs> All right, you ready to cheer up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to sing the song either. <laughs> Maybe that should be my jingle. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get the rights. <laughs> we, we can get around it. We could go rah-rah Daisy Holder, um, lover of history Do, history yeah yeah <laughs> I, we'll work on it it's fine we'll work on it yeah we'll get there we'll get there nailed it so yeah i've been given the responsibility of dealing with rasputin specifically as the kind of i guess more fun bit <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it it was very much a, a mystical sort of treatmenty type man but obviously his ability to actually do any kinds of treatment <laughs> is debated yeah he, he wasn't like an actual medical doctor no no he was just a, a you know nice guy who wandered around a bit 
and eventually found (laughs) wandered around a bit found himself in um the russian court nice i mean you'll hear the story that is you'll go yeah fair enough that is literally (laughs) what he did (laughs) so yeah he was born in 1869 um as you can tell from uh, what Alice was saying earlier about the uh, difference in the dates, I have specifically not listed a date because it it depends on whether you're using the old style Orthodox calendar yeah. or what would be translated into you know our current Western so calendar. Confused for such a long time. I'm not surprised. Yeah, <laughs> particularly because like most of the places I found don't describe it as like as like this is like the orthodox calendar they just describe it as old date and new date right oh and, and it's like well, what which what happened to make it a new date like <laughs> why yeah. why have we got a new date who destroyed the calendar yeah. in the who, first place? who just took out three weeks and went that's fine we don't need those <laughs> yeah but yeah so so yeah that's that is essentially what it was <laughs> it's um kind of uh Related to the reason why uh, Orthodox Christmas is in sort of, you know, mid-January time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he was born in Siberia, which is part of Russia and always has been, but the sort of very cold, really remote bit, kind of up at the top. Right. So it's, it, you know, he was ethnically Russian and always was, but it's... Uh, still kind of a far away type place that has its own traditions and things like that mm-hmm. and you know people in the city wouldn't necessarily know much about the area or the people in it i think it's quite rural isn't it like i mean it's, yeah it's russia russia's fucking big so everything is really mm. far away from everything else and siberia is really really far away from everything else yeah 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 so his, his parents were peasants um okay. And much like anyone else in the area at the time, he didn't really have much of a formal education. Uh, he was illiterate, and they think he was probably illiterate well into his adulthood. And there's kind of very little else that we know for sure about his life at that stage. There were plenty of stories about the kind of things that he was up to uh-huh. as a young adult, but a lot of them were probably made up after he'd risen to prominence because he wasn't a particularly popular figure with the general public. So do you think he just went round like telling stories and making up stuff? Um, no, I think other people made other up people stuff as a way of, of discrediting him and the, the influence that he would later have. Right. But there, there was okay. there was lots of stories that supposedly he was convicted for blasphemy when he was a kid and he stole a horse and realistically there's no evidence of any of that happening supposedly there's some records in archives that he was maybe a bit rebellious like mm-hmm. you know Ooh, yeah oh dear. Dr- oh. Uh, yeah specifically drinking and being rude to local officials <laughs> which is which is more like you know lovable scamp rather than <laughs> yeah. like that's just like having a few too many bevies on a Friday night, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not like, not really yourself. not yeah, really yeah. a risk to the community or the stability of the Russian Orthodox Church, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. yeah. but yes, the the story is told that the reason why he ran away from his community originally in order to you know go to the monastery and find religion was because he was trying to run away from the criminal charges that he had stolen a horse. Um, right. Realistically, that 
probably didn't happen. Mm. Um, but he did go off to the monastery and have kind of like a religious calling, as it were. Um, but he didn't become a monk at that point. Um, instead, he returned to his community. He got married. Um, he had, I have in my notes here, he had about seven children. About seven. Seven-ish. <laughs> seven and possibly one in the corner. <laughs> yeah, but only three of them survived to adulthood. Yeah, I was going to say, are we rounding up or down for how many lived? Yeah, so three survived to adulthood. Um, and he did, like, leave the entire family not long afterwards. But he continued to have, he seemed to have a good relationship with at least one of them. There's photos of him as a, you know, older man with one of his daughters. I have to say this that's one of the really weird things about the research I've been doing for this episode is like it feels super super old timey but then you can just see a- photos of the actual people I know I was doing that episode I was trying to get organized doing some episode artwork for this episode and I was going to put Rasputin in the picture and I was like oh my god there's an actual proper photograph of him yeah it's oh yeah, more, like, oh. more than more than that. There's an actual proper photograph of his corpse. I wonder what you were going to say. Then. <laughs> I I did think you were going to say something else. <laughs> you were going to say, and I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> no. It, to be fair, if they had done that, would have cleared up an awful lot of um, historical <laughs> confusion <laughs> if they had thought to do that, but they did not, and as such, everyone has still been arguing for yeah. decades isn't isn't there i'm am i am, i might be getting this confused for somebody else but is there not supposed to be his penis in a museum somewhere yes there is uh, a woman i follow on tiktok Susie ed she writes books about uh, um the royal family and body parts and things and stuff like because she's basically a doctor and she has written a book about famous body parts and she talks about uh, Rasputin's bits and pieces, and I think she does say that it was it is in a museum somewhere. I don't know where, but it is. I think she said anyway. <laughs> or at, at least what's claimed to yeah, be I was that. Gonna say. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So there was a, there were reports at the time that he was murdered that um, he had been castrated, um, but all of the autopsy stuff says nothing about. You feel like they'd have mentioned like missing penis yeah you feel like that would have been noteworthy enough yeah. to mention yeah. on yeah, the you, autopsy you don't mention it if it's there because it's supposed to be there but if he's not there yeah. you're like you go hold on a minute by the way <laughs> yeah. he hasn't got a penis yeah and i don't think you would go i'm sure that's just how it's always been <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure he's not lying about that yeah <laughs> so yes so he he continued to have a relationship with his kids even though he'd you know then ran off so 10 years after he got married he went off on what i have called yet another pilgrimage <laughs> um they were very specific about just how many pilgrimage p- pilgrimages he went on um it seems like he was sick of sitting around the house with with the children it was just like oh sod this i'm going on another pilgrimage yeah but uh, m- most of them weren't the kind of you know epic journey type pilgrimage that that we think of as you know like the the type where you would walk from you know the uk to jerusalem or something yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. not that kind of thing more just you know i'm gonna go and visit this 
monastery that's important to the well, so Russian Orthodox was, Church. Was Putin basically just having a wander down to the Londis and back? I mean, maybe not to the Londis, but I mean, it's. I mean, at the same time, it was Siberia, was so like any, anything is going to be pilgrimage <laughs> yeah. type. Well, and, and he, yeah. he winds up in Petrograd. Like that's mm. that's not close. That's not you can't you can't hop on a bus and go a few stops. Well, it depends how far away the, the stops are. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. <laughs> But yeah, so he was often wandering off to see cathedrals and monastery, but on this occasion he he didn't come back. Um, oh, it just well, like disappeared. I have friends he, whose dads popped out for a packet of cigarettes and never came back. Similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like that. Maybe <laughs> if those people's dads went and stayed at a monastery for months and months and months, that was later reported to be full of monks having sex with each other nice i mean well it's, i suppose it gets cold doesn't it you know <laughs> it's not yeah so this is yeah so he, he stayed he stayed at this place for months and it was kind of later on that he complained that they were all having homosexual relationships and were complaining about how being a monk was so hard but like it he didn't seem to mind when he was there no, he's quite happy. It seemed fine was with it then. Did he complain and then leave? Or was he complaining and then stayed there for a while? So this was afterwards, like when he spoke so about he was like, oh, his time there. like, oh, all these handsome monks made me have sex with him. It was really horrible. It was more just, like, you know, like, he stayed at that monastery for a bit and, and supposedly decided not to join that monastery because they kept having sex with each other. And he's like, I'm bored of that now. I see. I've had it off. I want to go back to the women. I want to go back to the Londis. <laughs> Beginning to understand where this uh, Russia's greatest love machine stuff is coming from. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of thinking that suggests that the reason for his reputation of debauchery, as well as, you know, potentially the actual debauchery, was because he believed that... that the best way to get closer to God was to, like, essentially purge himself of earthly desires so that he was otherwise completely undistractable from... Right, okay. You know, and the only way of doing that, obviously, was through a state of sexual exhaustion. <laughs> so, so, so you do you do all of the earthly desires so that they're all finished and you can move on to yeah. something else. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, I'm, I am now too tired. Yeah for more oh, sex so now i can do a pray <laughs> and now i will pray it's one approach i suppose mm. so yeah there, there was a suggestion that he'd joined a particular religious sect that liked a lot of orgies um but more recently people seem to think there's absolutely no reason to suggest that he was actually a member of it and it was more just that that was happening nearby <laughs> yeah. at the time and and just because of his future reputation they were like well he must have been involved in that <laughs> yeah 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 basically yeah there was some sex happening in siberia must have been rasputin yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah after rambling around countryside for a bit you end up in st petersburg um it gained a reputation as like a spiritual man and a healer right. um primarily for you know helping people with their kind of 
anxiety and mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Did he, he have a set of magnets on him? Not to my knowledge, but I mean, he probably had a bag. <laughs> there might have been some magnets in it. I, I haven't had a look. I'm just thinking sexual predators and magnets go together. So, you know. I, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I have no. some magnets on my fridge. Last time I checked, not a sexual Yeah, but predator. you don't lie in a bath with them and go, come and just lie here with me for a bit. I'll fix that doggy leg. <laughs> this is true. In fairness, Rasputin hasn't done that yet either. <laughs> I yes. say yet. I say yet because I can't remember what's at the end of my notes. Okay. There might just be like a handwritten bit that says also. Also. <laughs> so yeah, he, he became friends with a circle that invited him into the you know parts of society where all of the rich, influential, posh people were who were just mm. fascinated by him. You know, he had like really interesting new ideas. And he was popular because he was natively Russian, whereas many kind of similar people who had flown through the rich and privileged circles, you know, talking spiritually in the years before had all been from, you know, other places. So, I mean, you know, a lot of them truly believed that he could be some kind of, you know, magical prophet. Others just thought he was quite interesting. Um... I can see that. But, yeah. And it, it seems that, you know, at least the Tsar's wife believed that he was magic. Yes. Right. So, I mean, we, we don't know for sure when he first became aware of Alexei's haemophilia or when he was first asked for his opinion about it. Mm. But we do know the first time he seemed to be asked to try and stop his bleeding and well and it it seemed to work so he had like a bit of a fall um and he was internally bleeding around his hip probably the same injury that um as was talking about earlier but kind of like an exacerbation of it Mm -hmm. and his doctors didn't think he would survive and so with kind of very few other options um rasputin was called for yeah like for some nothing advice. nothing else is working let's see if this guy's got any suggestions call the magic man yeah so he advised that no one be allowed to see him that that the boys would be left alone okay, um, okay. so there's right. there's there, there is somewhat of a debate about whether whether Rasputin might have actually been away at this time, and so this was done via, you know, other communication methods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whether he was actually around and came to visit him. Um, you know, obviously there's a chance that this is all getting a bit confused because, you know, on later occasions he absolutely did come and see, you know, Alexei. So, yeah. but yeah, he, he, he advised that he be left alone and on some occasions definitely he went in and spoke to the boy and the bleeding slowed down and that this significantly is, this is, so it was what well, because he was talking to him so there's 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 two sort of different suggestions some people suggest that because 
no, because it'd been advised for nobody to go and see him, it meant that the doctors were therefore unable to go and give him a dose of aspirin. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay. That's what oh, I. Which, right. yeah, which would have improved things anyway. Well, it it would have been given to him for his pain because yes. you know, at the time they were you know unaware that it was yeah. a you know anti clotting thing. Um, mm. You know whether that's you know realistic or not is tricky. Because, I mean, the bleeding of haemophilia being sort of cured, as it were, by not giving someone aspirin is a kind of, you know, haemophilia is much more of a much more of a thing than the aspirin has the power for. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but but yeah, like it's undoubtedly would have helped. Yeah. Um, but some say that you know Rasputin was well versed in techniques that would be similar to hypnosis. So these are techniques that, that would have been much more common, you know, in the remote parts of Siberia, where there was kind of more influences of spiritualism and things like that. And, you know, more recent research has shown that hypnosis and physically calming down people can reduce bleeding. Yeah. You know, it, it does seem reasonable that a combination of those things would would genuinely help. Yeah. Well, like, certainly... if, if nothing else, from you know, calming the boy down so that, you know, is blood pressure yeah, drops exactly. and all of that yeah, kind of, of stuff and if he's not in pain or worked up or distressed about anything you're gonna feel a lot calmer aren't you and yeah yeah it's kind of you know and, and he's yeah, really like, little at this point as well if it's the same injury he's like seven mm. yeah yeah so you know heart rate slows down pumping less blood through so less of it comes out you know yeah so yeah so this kind of solidified in alexandra's mind that rasputin was the only one who could save her son and so kind of pretty quickly he became part of the royal court um but you know his reputation made him not a hugely popular figure amongst the public like for a while the the papers were banned from reporting on his kind of promiscuity and as the public saw it immoral behavior mm-hmm. but that you know didn't particularly last and it's how how much of the, the reporting is down to you know actual rasputin and people not liking it and how much of it was because of the general feeling of frustration with you know the monarchy the tsar the emperor and that sort of yeah um method of rule is hard to say i, I um, suppose if if there was no like actual confirmation coming from the you know the palace that actually alexi's not well that the people are probably like who what the fuck is this fella doing why, why are they yeah why is this weird magic monk yeah fella? like what's he doing hanging around the palace yeah That's weird. and, and it, would, it would ask you you would pose more questions than it answered wouldn't it really yeah yeah yeah, so there was something that people found, you know, quite unsettling mm. about the royal family's religious advisor constantly being found like in brothels and bars. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit <laughs> yeah, weird, I can see it, that. Really. I can see that. Yeah, it's not quite protocol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just the, you know, the, the Archbishop of Canterbury just like down at King's Cross in the eighties, just <laughs> yeah. So like they reported that. You know, he'd had an affair with the Tsarina. Um, I mean, you know, is that realistic? Probably not. You know, it seems that 
she genuinely loved her husband yeah, and he genuinely loved her. Say, and... yeah. I don't think, you know, I don't think. It just seems like if there is a story to be made up about Rasputin, people will make it up. It doesn't really matter I think he was whether quite it's true or not. charismatic, wasn't he? Yes, yes. Um, and so I think that that idea that he was charming his way, especially if it was just Alexandra like mostly alexandra who was like this guy mm. i can not understand but you see the logic for people being like well they must be fucking yeah 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 so there's there are also reports that he'd you know raped a member of the royal staff and been inappropriate with some of the children but there's no evidence for that other than um kind of hearsay and the reports of you know like like the kind of media and the people who are already disapproving yes, the of who don't like the sars and the emperors and stuff as well so you know with with um the rape of the members of the royal staff obviously that's you know relatively likely yes. <laughs> as it were um but certainly everything i've read about the the accusation of being inappropriate with the children was kind of you know there was one person who had said it was a bit weird that he would go and speak to the children while they were in their bedrooms and everyone else went no they love this guy <laughs> he's yeah. he's you this know part of the family dog. for yeah, them yeah 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 he um i in the book i read there's a couple of letters from rasputin to alexi and they're just mm. like you know, you're going to be fine. Uh, I believe in you. God believes in you. Like, God will keep you safe. Like, it's all very... like it's almost, Positive mental attitude. There's almost nothing weird about thing. it. It's They're almost dull. Where it's yeah. just... It's very, <laughs> like... You know, the way that I imagine lots of people sort of were a bit fawning on royalty in those days, but with a very hard religious edge to it yeah 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 you sort of feel like you know if there was something concerning going on that it would be it that that's not the sort of letters he'd be writing no you yeah you would think that there would be a there'd be an undercurrent of something a bit more sinister wouldn't you really i mean i i do i did have to take the the you know the book i read is is letters and writings and stuff um from the Romanov families, but they all came from the, uh, you know, Russian archives, and I do feel like it is a little bit important to take the stuff you get from those archives, and you know, even historical sources coming out of Russia from that time period with a bit of a pinch of salt, because the Soviets did did a lot of like. Did a lot of lying and a lot of covering stuff up, and um, things have you know, things have not are not going great for Russia at the moment. Um, and I I think that there's a lot of propagandizing still going on, and so you know maybe they're not going to release all of the uh, you know legitimate information and stuff. So I mean, it's it's also just generally you know good practice to not kind of you know every historical source has 
a, a background to it as the reason why it was made. And, you know, no, no one in the past was going to be making these things going, this is so that in the future people will know what was happening. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's always a background for it. There's always a reason for it. And something is not automatically true just because it is old. And, it, like, it's it's not inherently more trustworthy because because it is old yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know there's 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 a reason for everything there is a cause for everything and there is a that there there is something that it was trying to achieve i was gonna say if if doing these history lessons have taught me anything i look back on our version of the sarah bernhard story that i did versus the uh you're dead to me version of the sarah bernhard story that they did recently um and i definitely learned that just because something is kind of you know first person written by the person you're talking about doesn't mean it's all true everybody has their own agenda exactly anyone can say anything they want basically yeah 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 yeah. and so i i think i've um you know i was very much taught by all of my school history teachers in particular that um every source is important but no source is reliable no exactly you know that you you get kind of like you know four different sources that say the same thing and maybe you can start thinking that that's a plausible that's, yeah but, that's, but i that's, mean and i think that's what i like about history though the fact that really it's big one big sort of question mark if you look at it yeah you'd never be fully certain about what we believe to be true is and that's what i quite like about it. it's like a big mystery really yeah i think we've had this discussion before which is kind of you know there's there is a misunderstanding by a lot of people about what history is like yeah history isn't the same as the past you know history of is the study of it based on you know the various sources and it's also a large amount preservation and you know that's that's not the same as you know history never has and never will claim to come up with the exact truth Yes, exactly. And, 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 and be yeah, like, there's... okay, this is it now. We can yeah. stop studying this war. We've yeah, finished it. Now. Tick. <laughs> Move We've on. ticked it off. Yeah. That one can go to the side. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, all of sources and things you have to read with that that sort of voice at the back of your head that goes, okay, but why why could they be saying this? Mm. Yeah. What's and so... Yeah, 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 and so, and so you can say that you know, oh well, these letters were sent to the children. So if you you know, theoretically, if he was going to say anything inappropriate, it would be within those letters. However, you could also say that realistically, they're royal children. Those letters are likely to have been read by other people people, before they were passed on to the kids. Therefore, it might be specifically you don't. Yeah, write something I, in those letters because they're the things that are likely I to wasn't, be kept i wasn't suggesting that he was gonna be like super sexually graphic in those letters I just, oh yeah no i know my, <laughs> my feelings are more like i don't know again it's all it's all presumption but i feel like you'd sort of be like i don't know you'd get an, an intonation from them but yeah this is the thing i kind of i sort of generally agree that there doesn't seem to be anything other than you know like one nursery maid who felt a bit icky but that because that could that could just be because 
he is a little bit eccentric. Well, um, yeah, it, that, that could just be, you know, yeah, vibes. And, you know, and, there's yeah, this yeah. Weir- weirdy beardy man who keeps making friends with the children. And, and, and have you seen, you said you saw, you've seen his picture. Saw the picture, yeah. He's, he his, just looks like... He's intense. Like... Yeah. You'd, he stares at the camera and he looks like he's been, like, unkempt. Well, he looks unkempt. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of a bit like, if, well, okay, if, mate. If I walked into a child's nursery having just, like, <laughs> emptied the bins or something, and that fella's in there on his own with a sick child, I'd be a bit like, hmm, Whoa. this doesn't feel great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he kind of looks like Santa has been locked in a tiny cage for many, <laughs> many, many years. I like the festive reference there. Yeah, Daisy. yeah. I thought I'd try and drag it back. <laughs> but yeah, so his 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 reputation with the people and kind of like his his you know inclusion within the royal circle wasn't just a problem for people on a religious level. Many th- yeah. people thought that he was making political decisions. Okay, right. Alongside so the emperor, thought, did they think that he was like got the ear of the emperor? basically and was saying yeah. yes decisions. i did. yes and that he was he was pulling some of the strings essentially i did so I, I listened to a podcast i've never listened to before but i've heard a lot about um in the past called behind the bastards mm. not sure i'm sold on it personally um but in it they talk a lot about i th- and they 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 use one book that was written by like a proper historian but mm-hmm. not like me <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, like, you are a proper historian compared to, like, me, who's been Googling stuff for a couple of weeks. I get the bit of an impression that Nicholas was not a great leader. He was not necessarily no. cut out. Oh, absolutely swayed. not. Yeah. 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 yeah he so... did not know what he was doing, did not really no. want to be there. Yeah, no. So this this part of it, part of the, part of this was, yeah. It was. It seemed that he was making a lot of political decisions that he had absolutely no right to, especially once Russia entered the First World War. Yeah. So, when Russia entered the First World War, Nicholas II decided that he should lead. Yeah. Properly. Yeah. And so he went to the front lines and started commanding, you know, commanding the army, and doing it badly fucking thousands so many russians died and a lot of it is just because they were poorly equipped and nicholas made some bad decisions okay yeah so probably go home yes yeah, so he very he much went to so. the, he went to the front lines leaving his wife in charge right okay and obviously his wife was incredibly pally with rasputin and yes. the people were very unhappy with this arrangement particularly yeah. because the empress was german yeah right so she was a german princess by she birth didn't actually speak russian they spoke english to each other her and nicholas spoke english to one another wow wow because she didn't speak russian <laughs> yeah so the russian people weren't necessarily thrilled with a german I couldn't, being I couldn't in charge mm-hmm. um she and did also it was... do stuff like i i read somewhere that she would someone would like buy her a present and she'd write to nicholas and be like, be like oh you should give this person a, a generalship and make them commander of such and such they're so they seem so nice they gave me half a kick yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah so 
Rasputin was making like ministerial decisions about, you know, who to give important <laughs> positions. And apparently they were bad decisions. Yeah. And it was only exacerbated because everyone was so angry that he was doing, that Nicholas II was doing so badly at war. So basically they are, the people are angry that, that they're doing bad at the war and also these decisions are being made that they're just unhappy with these decisions it's it's Any, like nicholas was anyway. already doing a really bad job and then they got yeah. this other guy on and he just salt in the wound yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah. And, but literally because thousands of russians were being wounded and murdered yeah nobody's doing anything <laughs> mm. yes and and the economy was going into a nosedive as a as a result yeah mm-hmm. and yeah so to to them it was the German wife of the Russian bad inept Russian yeah. army leader mm-hmm. and her closest advisor, who was sort of like a monk, but not actually a monk, but was always in the brothels mm. and potentially having an affair with her. Mm. Yeah. Which obviously, as we've said, we don't think was probably happening, but yeah, you know, you can see why they were a bit rattled and. Uh-huh. So it was it was July 1914 when someone decided to try and assassinate him for the first time. For the first for the time. First time. <laughs> um, That's why but, you know you're popular. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as as we know, it didn't really take. No. So he was actually stabbed by a peasant woman Ew. who was supposedly under the influence of a conservative priest who'd wanted to preserve the you know regular establishment and thought that right. he was ruining it. Yeah. Um, and you know, while it looked like he might not make it, he made a full recovery and lived to wreck the country for another day. <sighs> it was eighteen months later they decided to have another go. Uh, it's worth that's noting quite, as well that it's quite quick, quick succession, really, isn't it? If, like, I mean, relatively, like, they they gave it yeah. a good sort of year and a half. I was gonna say, you yeah. can you can fuck a lot of shit up in eighteen months if you really get yeah. your head down. <laughs> you can make this. You can make this situation. Up. This bad situation, a whole lot yeah. worse, mm. given eighteen months. Yeah. yeah, it's worth noting as well the the woman who <laughs> the woman who stabbed him the first time was um, not convicted by reason of insanity, right. and the priest who uh, everyone agreed had ordered it had mm. fled. Of course, he did. Yeah, run away. Yeah, but yeah. So part of the difference was that the the next assassination attempt eighteen months later was orchestrated by a group of nobles so kind of you know the you feel like there's a bit more the and the emperor's allies yeah. a bit more it's not yeah. just a peasant woman anymore like they've they've had time to regroup and think about it rather yeah than... In- including the czar's cousin right okay. and kind of other nobles who were sort of from like royal families but not like in the so line of succession as do it were do you think this this group of people had a bit more insider information because of their, you know, their standing. They they would have done, yeah. But they also, there there is there is no real suggestion that this was an inside a, job. There's there's no real suggestion that this was related to the first attempt. Right. Okay. They they saw what happened first time and they went, I could do that went, better. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, guys, we need to think about this properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's a really good idea. How can I improve on it? <laughs> yeah. Well done for setting the groundwork, giving us the idea, but I think we can do this better, Julie. Yeah. <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, so they they lured him to a special tea party. Okay. 
it is worth noting as well that this entire account is disputed um, right. by people who hate fun, um, yeah. essentially. Well, we don't hate fun, though, so... Yeah, so yeah. I, this is it, this version is the most sort of commonly known story and, you know, the one the song's based on. Is it? Is it? Well, well it's the... I, was, I literally only know Rara Rasputin, well, lover Rasputin. of the lover Rus- Russian queen. I, I know no Rara other more, Russian. like no, no more to that uh, no. song. So it could be about anything, really. Mm. Do you want me to Google the lyrics? I don't, I don't think we need... You could <laughs> you could always film yourself doing the Just Dance version of it as some bonus content. Yeah, are you joking? <laughs> I'm a big metal object. All my dance moves come from my elbow. I think that's all the dance moves from Just Dance as well, so you're fine. No, no, it's not. You have to kick your legs about. I can't kick my legs. Sorry, Daisy. That's, that's fine. <laughs> I'm doubting now whether that is the song. Maybe the song's oh, about something else. Russia's greatest love worship. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to... Can we please clip that and just have it on repeat on our social media? Uh, but, um, Start cats screaming all over the place. Who, who sung the song? Boney M. There lived a certain man in Russia long ago. He was big and strong. His eyes had a flaming glow. But most people look at him with terror and fear. But Moscow chicks, he was so lovely and dear. <laughs> No mention of what we're looking for, murder. Yeah, yeah. You know, all that assassination stuff. Basically, squeezing the girls. Uh, No, basically. The the focus is on the love machine element, not the murder element. Not not the murderous element. I should be paying more attention, clearly. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yeah, he was invited for this tea party at midnight. Which is okay. not sus at all. No, I was going to no. say that's not totally. the time for a tea party. Don't, Three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, totally normal. Um, it... <laughs> nothing, nothing questionable about that at all. No. I would not go to a party at midnight. Whether it was a tea party or any other party, I would not go. Just, no. no. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so he was offered tea and cakes covered in cyanide. Um, he at first politely refused because uh, he didn't fancy cake and then eventually he had some yeah yeah eventually he did have some but he didn't die to the point that he then even asked for some wine um which they haste <laughs> they hastily poisoned as well um but he still seemed to be fine so they gave okay. up and got a gun out right um so they shot him in the chest yeah and then got cracking with the next bit of the plan uh, which was dressing up as him, driving to his house and pretending that he'd returned home that night. Right. So then they went back to the basement to check he was dead. Right, and he wasn't. Well, I know hindsight is twenty twenty and everything, but maybe you would, you would check that before yeah, you left. Yeah, before, yeah, 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 yeah. Especially before it's... you leave the body, like, you know, unsupervised in case it, like, gets up and walks away. Yeah, 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 just, you know, maybe before you go off and pretend that... Go and you play know. dress up for half an hour. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just check. <laughs> Just a poke. It doesn't have to be anything much. Yeah. Especially, pulse. especially when you've tried to poison him twice. And it hasn't taken. I mean, and so can you're we just talk like, about his constitution yeah, and his exactly. lead stomach? Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so one of his daughters said later that he wouldn't have eaten the cake because he didn't like sweet things. But 
and supposedly the autopsy didn't find any trace of poison so it could just be that they were bad at poisoning so this tea party did kill him then well (laughs) so they came back this is like an episode of extenders yeah they came back and they did give him that poke um and that's when he jumped up and started attacking them um amazing arguably fairly in his chest yeah 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 like i would argue if someone had shot you in the chest it's kind of fair enough that they then try and chase you and beat you up yeah fair enough um so he chased them outside where someone shot him another few times uh this time in the head right and he went down and so they wrapped him up in a carpet and threw him in the river and then immediately started going around telling everybody that that they'd murdered rasputin rendering the bit where they (laughs) got dressed up as him and went back to his house to pretend (laughs) that he hadn't been murdered entirely pointless wouldn't you just go mate why are you dressed as rasputin i know i know before i said that they were like we could do a better job of this turns out i think julie (laughs) was about right first time maybe we're a bit hasty julie yeah sorry julie we take it back (laughs) yeah i mean Arguably, this one he actually died, so it was still better than the last one. But yeah, I mean, at least at least that one injured him for a couple of days, so he couldn't do any more, you know, yeah, warmongering. So after he was wrapped in the carpet and chucked in the in the river, that was that was the end of it. Yeah. So that see the the story that we hear is that he still didn't die, and that he only died of drowning once he'd been chucked in Jesus the river Christ. and wrapped in the carpet. Um. But, yeah, when they got him out and had a look, they were like, nah, he was dead before he went in the water. But he, Somebody it, had it, definitely shot him and then... It, yeah, yeah, they were looking at him going, yeah, that guy's been shot. <laughs> For <laughs> sure. Yeah, it wasn't the drowning or the carpet, he was shot. But yeah, so they, they did like an autopsy and so that a lot of rumours flew around after his death he'd still been alive when they chucked him in the river that they'd cut off his penis and mm. that also the royal staff member who he'd allegedly raped earlier had been there to watch him be castrated and thrown in the river um wow but all of that seems incredibly unlikely i mean personally i would find it highly unlikely that any nobleman would give a shit enough about a member of his staff to be like hey, do you want some retribution for the person who raped you? I mean, yeah, there is that, yeah. <laughs> They'd just be like, what are you doing here? Go and make some more tea. Yeah. yeah. We've run out. No, you can't have the night off. <laughs> it's midnight. I need my tea before I go to bed, please. Mm. But yeah, and then, the, you know, they did an autopsy, which was, you know, nah, he's been shot in the head. He didn't drown. He was already dead when he was put in there. Definitely still has a penis. Of that, well, I mean, at least they didn't say that he had been castrated. I was going to say, yeah. There was the, <laughs> we don't know whether there was a penis, but there was no mention that there wasn't a penis. They, they, certainly don't they, did, they, did, they didn't tick the penis box. <laughs> that would have been really helpful if they could have done. Please. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's... it's Rasputin's assassination is kind of often credited with being the thing that, that sort of prompted the what they call the February Revolution, which is kind of the beginning of the you know what would go on to be the the, the, october revolution 
Yes, and the kind of you know big Bolshevik revolution yeah. and all of that. But I know, really, how like, put them giving it months, like, well, yeah, you know. well, they had to. They were two in the same year. <laughs> what more could they do? And yeah. I also uh, watched a Lucy Worsley documentary recently where she was talking about. I saw that one too. With the the October Revolution, like for yeah. years, they didn't talk about February because it was started by women. Yeah, they were like that one doesn't that doesn't count. It's just women. And yeah, so like a, a series of factors contributed to that. Like the piss poor war effort was a big part of it. Yeah. And the people couldn't afford the rising prices caused by everything. And so once that February Revolution broke out, the monarchy only lasted like a couple of extra days. Like the mass protests had broken out about food rationing. And, you know, pretty quickly the remaining soldiers sided with the revolutionaries and yeah. Nicholas II ended up abdicating. Spoiler alerts. <laughs> yeah so, uh, this is this is th- i just have a tiny bit which then kind of goes into general okay. um towards big revolution okay. bits right. so ben okay. can do that bit later i'm on, I'm on tender hooks yeah so yeah so the the temporary government was led by another member of an aristocratic family with royal links but it was incredibly unpopular it's still different from the royals and since they had freely abdicated, they were safe for a bit. Mm. Okay. And we're going to find out how that bit went and the revolution. To be continued. Yes, what happened to Alexei. You'll have to tune in for the second half of this episode because uh, when I finished putting my script together last night, I was like, so this is 10 pages. Um so we can't talk for that long in one go really can we oh i think i think we could but i don't think people would yeah, listen but it gets a bit nonsensical after a while if you're not careful <laughs> um so yeah make sure you tune in for part two of uh rasputin and the romanovs uh for a little christmas festive treat for you <laughs> and uh we'll see you next time bye 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 Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labelled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved. <laughs> <laughs>